going into my basketball. Every time I rock, man, this is how we rap around. Peace to my man. Now we got the camera out. Every time I spit it, cross over the all right, hello everyone. This is Josh, also known as Yashu, and you're tuning into episode 47 of the TLY Talks podcast. You know, you can definitely like check it out like on all other platforms too, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, much more too. I already like explained this like so many times, but you know, let's uh, get it started uh, right now. And you know, we have like uh, one of the most uh, up and coming artists like in the building uh, right now, who recently dropped like a song called like Amend, and has also like another collaborative uh, song uh, called Weird Science with uh, Melo Griffith. He's opened up for the likes of like Dax, Dizzy Wright, Classified, Mad Child, and much more. We have uh, Jesse the Dreamer on the pod. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, you know, I'm doing all right, man. I think uh, like the last time, like we spoke about it like last time too. Um, yeah. The last time uh, we actually interacted, um, we actually I actually shot like a concert one day that you were like opening up for uh, Dax uh, with your group and all that. Yeah. And basically, you know, just kind of interacted from there. And then we didn't start like really fully interacting until like right now and all that and yeah you know we finally had to like get it started for a bit you know yeah i mean this is definitely the the perfect place to do it you know yeah, you can man. ask all the questions you need now <laughs> <laughs> yeah man uh, I, we definitely have to get it like started uh, right now too so i know that we spoke uh, earlier um i know that you, you said like you grew up, like you were coming from ajax yeah but was that like the first place of birth or like where did you grow up and like what was like the environment like for you growing uh, up no so i actually grew up in oshawa Oshawa. Oh, um i mean i was born and raised in oshawa i lived there pretty much my whole life um until pretty much when my girlfriend got pregnant and uh we moved out just the three of like me and her and we moved to pickering at first and now we're in ajax now but <coughs> Everywhere is expensive, man. So I mean, we might we, we might end up back in Austria. We might end up yeah. anywhere. But I mean, it's uh yeah, like Ajax is okay for now. It's quiet. Yeah, no, most definitely. I mean, Oshawa too. Um, you know what's crazy? I actually went to school in, like in Oshawa uh, back then, like uh, called like I went to like UIT and all that. And like I think with Oshawa, like it has like an interesting uh, reputation uh, reputation too, especially with the south side and all that too. And then with the north side, I mean, with the south side being like you know, drug dealers, yeah. like addicts, all yeah. that type of stuff. And then <laughs> the North side being like middle-class families, yeah. like college university students and like everything else too. And like downtowns just like in the middle as well too. But I noticed with um, Oshawa, you know, I was like watching this on another uh, podcast that they had like a great like metal punk scene. And then they've had like good uh, local shows and all that too. Um, uh, Chris or, you know, engineer, well, the audio video guy and the owner of the place who he also like DJed around like various uh, places too, like in Oshawa too. Um, and you know, they had like a great like live scene uh, back then too. So was it like big for music at the time growing up? Uh, I think growing up, like when I first started getting into music, it wasn't that big of a music scene. Um, I mean like dating back to when I first started making music, I was like, I, I want to say it was probably like grade eight, grade nine. And it was just for fun. Like a lot of the time back then, uh, the first time I actually ever did make music was uh, we did a uh, there was like some sort of competition where everyone was making their own freestyle uh, and I ended up putting my freestyle through and people started kind of liking it. And that was kind of like the initial time I ever made music. But uh, I didn't really notice a scene for hip hop music, I would say, until like I think until I started like really working alongside other people, I think was the biggest time. Um like all through like high school and stuff. I mean, I did talent shows and stuff like that, but there was never no big hip hop scene that was looking for local young guys yeah. like me at the time, for yeah. sure. Yeah, because like I know like they've had like concerts at like the music hall and all that mm -hmm. and now with another uh, venue called like a build more like I think feeder and all that. And then yeah. I think uh, back then they would like scope out other artists from other areas too. like it wouldn't really be like, you know, getting like those Oshawa acts like up there and all that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think back then there were some artists that I might have noticed too, like within Durham, um, this guy named like I think uh, Mike uh, Boogie and all that. And I think um some other uh, people too i know um some dineros like from ajax and all that and like this guy named i think like val merck who was like also okay. from oshawa and like yeah. a whole lot of other people too like you know no names like daniel caesar and like also um lennon like stella she's actually from oshawa too so yeah. it is kind of interesting to like figure out like from there and all that but like in terms of hip-hop i definitely like understand like in that sense too so yeah yeah i think it, like honestly it wasn't until like, I want to say I really started pushing it myself and seeing um, a community build. Um, and I think that it was something that, like, needed work. 
Um, and I think like the people that I was around at the time, I think that, you know, we really pushed to try and build something and um, it kind of showed because, I mean, you started to see big, bigger promoters um, within the city and within Toronto um, start building more parties than local artist shows. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that like um, it, it, it really took a while to see um, local guys like start to like put on shows together and build a bit of a community out there. Yeah, but I think at the same time in saying that, like, I mean, it sounds all sunshine and rainbows, but I think that there's a lot of politics that go into it as well. Cause I mean, yeah. everyone's gunning for, for the top spot at the yeah. end of the day. And, uh, I, yeah, it's definitely noticeable. Um, uh, especially nowadays, I'd yeah. say for sure. Nah, 100%. And we'll definitely get more onto it like later on, like uh, for the pod. Uh, but, um, you know, to speak more on your childhood, like what was it like? And would you say it was like a great experience or was it like very different? Uh, I had a great childhood. Uh, I grew up with both my parents. Uh, I grew up with a little brother. Um, I grew up around like some really, really good people. I had some really close friends uh, that I still have today. Um, yeah, like I, I literally have no complaints about it. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Uh, my parents were definitely uh, very open to my dreams. I mean, like, they might think I'm a little crazy now, still still pushing music the way I do. But um, I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to um, I have such a big support system. My family's always supported me. They've always, you know, like, chimed in and told me what they like about my music and what they don't like. And, uh, yeah, there's I've, I have no complaints about my childhood. I mean, like, at the end of the day, you know, like... Um, being super young, like anywhere you might experience bullies and um, I was a bit of a bigger kid when I was super young. I had a speech impediment. I Not stuttered sure. and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, you know, when, when I was super young, I definitely noticed uh, like a bit of a hardship, but nothing at home, nothing, Not um, sure. um, nothing when it, like where it mattered. Uh, true. And um, I mean, even at that time, too, uh, with the whole speech impediment and like the whole you know, getting bullied at that type of stuff too. Like, how did you uh, deal with it? Like at that uh, time too. I don't know if you had like different ways of dealing with it, like now or like you know later on versus like you know when you first experienced it and all that. Uh, so my parents, like my my basically my whole family did uh, speech impediment classes uh, um, when I was younger, um, and I mean. It's definitely gotten a lot better than it was when I was a kid, um, but it's still it's still noticeable at times here. But um, it kind of feels good because I've never noticed it in music. I've never noticed it in like um, speaking, and I think that comes with a level of confidence too. I think just to be able to work through it and not really pay attention to it. Nah, one hundred percent. And you know, to dive more deep into your story and all that, like, what were you like as like? a kid up until like young adulthood and all that like what would like your main character story be like in that sense too from when you were born so like you know now in that sense um uh i mean my interests were like uh like i was a big uh wwe guy growing up uh, i've stayed I've, I've i've stayed loving it uh my dad grew, um uh showed me a lot of different genres of music i grew up listening to hip-hop music reggae music classic acoustic um like everything under the sun and um trying to think what else i played football uh and i mean i think by the time i was in high school i mean i played four years of football in high school but um music started becoming a big part of what i was doing like like i said like did four years of talent shows um and before that like in like grade eight and stuff i was releasing little mix mixtapes and stuff and just having fun and enjoying it and i mean just being creative and yeah i think that that's that yeah. that would be the majority of my story growing up like oh, i don't true. i don't think there was much other than that for sure no nah, most definitely and you know even before like the whole like music situation too did you have like an, an initial like goal or idea that you wanted to do for a career or job like whether it be like in music or whether it's like something else and all that too um i mean i mean everyone in elementary school does the uh was that thing like you know you type in uh, all your different interests and they oh, tell true, you true. your job goals uh i don't even remember what mine said oh, it was probably like an astronaut or something <laughs> insane but i uh um, not, 
not overly like not there there was nothing that i specifically i think had in my brain that i wanted to do uh my dad says says all the time that while i was growing up i wanted to be a priest uh i don't know i have no idea how or why but uh he says that that was something that i that i wanted to do um i mean i wanted to play football it was everyone everyone that plays a sport wants to be the it thing yeah um and then i think you know like once i started making music i uh when I was about 15, I got signed to a little label. Um, I, they, they were called Flyside. Um, they they weren't big at all. It was just this little thing, and uh, it didn't very it, it didn't last long at all. But you know, even those little moments of being that young um, and being excited to make music and feel like you know it could make some make it somewhere yeah. um, was a super cool feeling for yeah. sure. No, most definitely, and like even like with the whole like music situation too. Um, I don't know if this is like around like you know the late twenty uh, two thousands early 2010s and all that when you started to like work more on music or if it was like afterwards too um like even like what was like that vibe like too like um what were you like listening to like around that time and all that uh like when I when I started like really releasing stuff are you asking like around like fifteen to like now um, and all that? I mean back then it was like you know like I like uh my biggest influences I think were like them like the main guys like. Uh, like you were, everyone was listening to Drake. Everyone was listening to, uh, like Wiz Khalifa, Mac Not Miller, sure. yeah. um, all, all the big names, all the Fifty Cent, all the, all the guys that were that were already established and did it. I had I had some little guys uh, that were like local that I really loved too. Uh, there was this guy named D Pride. He's from he's from oh, Brampton. Oh, sure. Um, I believe now he goes by Russell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like guys like him, I was listening to way back then. Um, yeah, man, it was uh, it was, it was a lot of just making sure that uh, I always stuck to listening to what was mainstream. I think. Yeah. And I mean, not. Not that I even knew how to make mainstream music, or that I knew how yeah. to like uh, do anything real when it oh, came true. to music you know yeah, i'm young wow. i don't know a lot i'm just kind of having fun rhyming words and uh yeah. trying to uh say what i feel from the heart for sure yeah no nah, most definitely because like even around that time too it was like very like nostalgic in that sense too just with the music just with the culture and all that too i think it was like more relaxed and all that too like nowadays too it's like you know there's an incentive just to make music to make money and all that like way back then it was just to make music to be creative to yeah. have fun with it and all that yeah. too and i think you know we could even like acknowledge like dad piff like my mixtapes like mixtape yeah, monkey and all 100%. that because they allowed the creativity for like these artists yeah. to kind of be creative and like what they're doing too like Lil wayne drake um yeah. Nicki minaj you know mac miller you yeah. know flappish zombies I don't know how chance I didn't rubbery. say Lil Wayne because <laughs> Lil Wayne Chance, yeah, Chance yeah. is up there, the acid rap album, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, I think that, uh, and like you're saying, like, I mean, now now I think a lot of music, a lot of what we hear nowadays and we see is a lot to do with financial gain. Yeah. And I think that it comes with a little, like a level of politics yeah. uh, in music as well. And I think I've reverted back to focusing more on this being something yeah. I want to do as an art. Um, and just something that I really love doing for myself. Um, there was a bit of time there where I was making music to make music for like clubs, um, to party, to, to drink, to all that kind of stuff. And I've really reverted away from that. I've, because I think that at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not being true to myself to not make music how I want to make it. Yeah. Yeah, nowadays, too, it's like, you know, being authentic with what you're going to do and all that, too. And uh, I think more artists should do that. I think the reason why we don't have that as much anymore, too, is because of the whole, like, Dad Piff, My Mixtapes, uh, Mixtape Monkey, not really being a thing as much anymore, too. Because now when you go to, like, Dad Piff and all that, even though it's, like, a broken, like, link right now, you know, now you have to, like, stream the stuff on Dad Piff or you have to pay money to stream it. It's not like, mm -hmm. you know, you could, like, download the mixtape as it was, like, back then. Yep. Uh, you know, downloading it back then, too, you get, like, you know, a free project, too. Like, if you can't afford, like, you know, 12 bucks or if you can't pay, like, on iTunes and all that. Even though it is good to kind of support, too. Yeah. But, like, to kind of have, like, that free thing to kind of enjoy, too. You know, you're just going to enjoy it either way, too. And, like, I think, like, they even had, like, the best uh, music, you know, back then around that time. Like, the most creative, the most you know boundary like less in that sense too like mm -hmm. everyone 
was just kind of doing their own thing and all that, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, that you hit the nail on the head with that because I think that I've, that's the biggest thing that I'm realizing with um, with everything when it comes to music nowadays is there's no more um, doing things uh, just as an art, just as something that you use as an expression. Um, it's something that people use to try and gain from. And I don't... and I. I personally just don't think that that's what making music is about, especially yeah. for myself. Yeah. No, nah, most definitely, man. And, you know, we're just going to get back onto, like, topic uh, yeah. for a bit, too. So, um, you know, I know that you talked about, like, you know, getting into music at 15, like, being in the label and everything else, too. But, like, what was, like, your musical history and background in terms of, like, your family and friends and stuff? And, you know, what inspired you to become, like, a rapper, singer-songwriter, and, like, even taking your craft seriously? Uh, you know what? I didn't really have a lot of uh, friends back then that were rapping. I had maybe one or two. Um, and I mean, it really just came with the culture. It came with um, the way that I was growing up and the way that I kind of just um, was going through my life. You know, like I think that I, you know, you, you meet certain people that might be a part of a different um, lifestyle than you. I mean, I met a lot of guys back then that were like hip hop dancers, um, and things like that. Uh, and then I met a, a guy who had a little mix board and we could like, you know, record little freestyles here and there and stuff like that. Just fun things back then. It was never anything that I, um, thought back then of taking very seriously. Um, I can honestly say I, I, I can't play instruments. Um, I wish I could, uh, my goal is to learn, like, I would love to learn how to play, like, the piano and the guitar and stuff like that. Uh, my dad uh, plays the guitar. Um, I even tried to, like, make beats for a bit, man, and I couldn't couldn't even do that. I mean, yeah. I think that um, my craft really comes down to writing and comes down yeah. to um, expressing myself. Yeah, mom, most definitely, man. And, you know, before we get into, like, the other questions uh, right now, too, um, how did you uh, get your stage name, like, uh, Jesse the Dreamer and all that? Like, a lot of stuff figured out, like, about that? Uh, so I actually started with a different stage oh, name. Um, I'm not... I'm not going to disclose it if people know it, they know it. Uh, it was uh, it was, it was a long time ago in my life. Um, and it was just, like, you know, it was a, it was a fun time, different time. Um, and when I was actually in university... I wasn't making music at the time, um, and I was really looking to uh, be more about myself. Um, that stage name didn't work with me. It wasn't. I didn't. I didn't feel like it connected with me, um, and I really wanted people to know me. I wanted people to know Jesse, um, and I mean, I thought that you know, just calling myself Jesse um, wasn't enough. So I wanted people to know uh, who I am creatively. Uh, and I looked at guys like, you know, big guys back then were like Chance the Rapper, um, people like that. And I was like, you know what? JTD sounds cool. Yeah. Jesse the Dreamer sounds cool. Um, and then, you know, I can I can abbreviate that. I can call myself Jesse Dreams. I can call myself different things. And uh, Dreamer uh, is something that stands out to people. The word Dreamer and... Um, now seeing people connect it with me is something super cool. It's, it's yeah. really cool. No, it's definitely. And I feel like it has like an interesting like tone to it too, because, you know, with dreams, you know, you can make it into like reality in that sense too, or, you know, the perspective of a dream can be like very different from the perspective of uh, reality too. So yeah, when people like do like listen to your music, do they feel like, you know, you, they could like enact in those like dreams in that sense too, to feel like what they can relate to too, or like, would it be more like, within that reality of like what they have to like understand in that sense too. Yeah. I think that the music I'm making now, um, I'm really looking for people to, um, I want it to be more of an experience than anything is my big thing. You know, like I want, I want it to feel like a dream. I want it to yeah. feel like you can close your eyes to it and kind of go to a different place and, and, uh, see how you feel with the words that I'm saying. And, um, use like the different melodic tones and yeah. um, the different uh, like I mean like there's times I go into the studio and like we have like 27 stems because I'm doing different undertones under undertones yeah. because I want it to feel so um, like authentic and all that too yeah to kind of be encapsulating like within that moment yeah exactly like, when you close your eyes it kind of feels like you're in like a like an open space. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, like, like, I mean, in the movie, it's a horrible thing, but you know, in the movie get out, when he goes to the sunken place, yeah, yeah. he's kind of floating. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of liked that idea of like, 
like floating in nothing, you know, like being able to just be within yourself and being able to feel and experience things for yourself. I mean, getting hypnotized yeah, and everything yeah, else nah. that happens to him isn't good, nah. but I'm from, from a standpoint of being able to just kind of float away and drift somewhere for yourself um, was a big thing I focus on when I make music now. No. It's something that I enjoy. I mean, like, like you know, when I smoke or anything like that, I like to be able to close my eyes and listen to my own music and be able to feel that, be able to feel like I'm going somewhere. I'm, 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 I mean, in the sense of it, dreaming. Uh, shoot, shoot. No, <laughs> most definitely, man. And how big are you, like, on like manifestation, like in that sense too? Uh, I mean, I think that there's a level of manifestation and everything. I think that. Um, everything happens for a reason. Um, and I think that you can work at something um, and set your own goals and it doesn't have to be the success that everyone else sees. Yeah. Like I don't have to look at music now for myself and say to myself, the end goal is to become a famous rapper oh, true, true. and, and, you know, tour the world and yeah. have millions of followers. I don't have to do that. If I, if I can make music for myself, um that helps with me mentally uh and people can connect with um and my son you know my my sons too if i if if my son enjoys it and can dance to it and my family is happy and supportive of it that's that's so much more accomplishing to me than than anything else and i think that that's i think that's where my manifestation lays is just making the people around me happy and proud and Yeah, not one hundred percent, man. And you know, we'll definitely like ma- even like manifested like within our goals and in that sense too. Um, just like getting back into like topic uh, right now, you know, you were like in a rap group called Connected. Um, and how did that come about with like you, Kyra James, and like Off Neil? And how was it like you know even being in that group, you know, making music and performing at many shows and like what was like that experience like? Uh, I mean, it was definitely good. Um, you know, like it uh it had it had its benefits. I would say. Um, but I also think like, just honestly speaking, I think that working from a, in a group setting that way can be kind of detrimental to, um, your personal growth. Uh, I think that I really didn't start growing as an artist and growing as an individual, um, until I stepped out of that shell, um, and really started working on music for myself, by myself, building things by myself. Um, and I met a lot of really good people, um, through stepping away from oh, that uh, i mean like the like like shout outs like james lean uh we talked about mellow yeah, yeah. i saw that like uh seiko likes your stuff yeah, uh, he's a great buddy of mine like oh, um yeah i met i met a lot of really good artists um through focusing on my own stuff oh, uh, and i think that that's really benefited me no, uh, and i think it's kind of taught me to be more um genuine i i think at the end of the day it's taught me to be more genuine uh, i mean my uh my girlfriend is a musician as well uh she's extremely more talented than i am she Not can true. she can play instruments and sing and yeah, uh true. she's she, she's definitely uh uh way more talented than i am when it comes to those Not things true. um and i mean she's another huge motivation to me and uh, of course my son my like no, my definitely. son uh my son keeps Keeps me afloat for sure. No, most definitely. And like at that time, do you ever felt like the, like those people were like holding you back from your growth, like as an artist too, or was it just like the forces and the energies that kind of like held you back? I think that at the end of the day, um, working that tight knit um, where there's multiple big personalities, oh, true. Um, one always seems to. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? One always seems to lead the rest, I guess. I guess would be the like the the best way to put it. Um, and I think that what it does is it just creates almost like a like a cult mentality where where there where everyone looks to a leader. Um, and I mean, when you have three artists and maybe like, you know, like promoters and videographers and singers and everything else when you have all that and everyone looks to one person um no one else is able to grow other than that person yeah no, so i think that you know like um it almost it, it feels like a cult mentality like a hive mentality uh-huh. um and i really just wanted to move away from that no. i wanted to be able to 
to uh, focus on myself and grow as a person. And I think that I've that I've been able to do a lot of that in the last few years, no, for sure. No, most definitely. And I think just to kind of end off like that topic uh, for a bit too, like how was like working with those two like and what were like some things that you might have learned uh, from each other that like you implement in your music today? Uh, I mean, everyone makes uh, super different music, I would say. All three of us make make very different music. Uh, I think that at the time, like I'm saying, like everyone, you know, when you work that closely, everyone seems to start to make the same type of music. Um, and I think towards the end of us working together and I was started to make a few more singles, um, I really started to hear my sound um, outside of what, what, what the collective sound was. Oh, true. Um, so I think, you know, I, I learned a lot from a space of saying that, um, uh, it benefited us by getting, ex by give, by giving each other exposure. Um, it benefited us by, um, allowing us to experiment and do things new. Um, but I don't think as an artist, I was able to grow. And oh, I think that, um, I stayed pretty stagnant in the music I was making then. No, most definitely. I mean, I know that we've talked about like your creative uh, process uh, too mm -hmm. for a bit, you know, just with like using like the undertones uh, too and like just like catching a vibe too. But what were like, what's your, like your creative process like in other aspects, like when making music and like what would a day in the studio be like for you? Um, so, I mean, uh, we used to do these pretty cool sessions. Um, shout out to Alex Thompson. Um, he's dope. Uh, we uh, we used to do big sessions over at the studio. He he, he was an engineer and over there, um, and we would have like got like me, Mello, uh, James Lean, uh, Othniel. Uh, we'd all get in the studio and kind of do these big, you know, bang out after bang out sessions. Uh, and that's where Weird Science came oh, out true, of. True. Um, Weird Science was like literally on a whim. I went in, recorded the first part. Mello popped up to the studio and I was leaving the booth and I said, yo, go in there. And uh, yeah, that's that's how that got made. Um, so, I mean, we were doing that for quite a while. Um, and then I kind of realized through that it's, you know, it's it's, it's fun to do that. Um, but I wanted to move more into, like I said, like my creative process. Um, and my creative process is me by myself. Um, maybe like one other artist or one other person that can like give their opinion on what I'm doing. Um, but I like to just be by myself with an engineer uh, in the booth. Uh, I spend a lot of time with my eyes closed <laughs> yeah. while I'm actually recording. Because yeah. like I said, I'm looking for those undertones. I'm looking to be able to uh, hear hear other things than like what the common ear would hear, you know, like, yeah. like I want it to feel bigger and more full. Um, and the best way to do that is just working by myself. Yeah, no, most definitely. I mean, I've had this guy named, um, NLN like a long, uh, while back too. And we even talked about this like whole process, like home <coughs> studios versus like professional studios. And, you know, he mainly records at a home studio, um, at his home and all that, like in Ottawa. And basically, you know, he has, like, this planned out process on how he does his music and how he, like, follows upon, like, a schedule and all that, too. So, um, you know, in recommendation, have you ever felt like, you know, using a home studio at your crib might be better than, you know, recording at a studio, like, you know, just with you and the engineer and all that? Um, I think that, you know, growing up, I, like, I had my own, I had my own little studios in, in my parents' basement. I turned a closet, literally sur surrounded by coats in a closet, me and my dad cut a hole for a mic. Um, and I, you know, I, I wrapped in a little closet there, but, um, something that I always say, um, and like we were talking about earlier, how like nowadays it feels like music's a lot about finance, like, like financial gain. Yeah. Um, I always say that like when it comes to working with people, I want to be able to trust people's creative process. Yeah. Um, and I'm an artist at the yeah. end of the day, I'm, I'm a hip hop artist. I write lyrics. Um, I enjoy the creative process of what I do when it comes to making music, but I'm not an engineer. Oh, true, true. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a producer. Oh, I'm none of those things. And it, once you develop a good relationship with a good engineer and a good producer, um, you can then start trusting their craft and that it's just, it's just not my craft. Uh, oh. if I knew how to do it all a hundred percent. Hundred yeah. percent, I would be yeah. at home every day making yeah. music by myself. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I just don't. I, you know, like that's not that's not my forte. Yeah. And I think that um, I can have confidence in myself and say, 
uh, I make really good music and I really enjoy my music. Um, and I think that a part of the game, a part of the process, a part of the community is being able to have an engineer be able to say the same thing about themselves, a yeah. producer say the same thing about themselves, yeah. someone who makes artwork to say the same thing about themselves. Like I want everyone to feel like they're a part of the process because that's what they spent time doing. Yeah. I didn't spend time doing that. Yeah, no, 100% too. And I feel like it is like different for everyone too. Like, as you said too, I think with some people, if they have like that capability too, like, you know, to go for it and all that, uh, I know if others, it's like, you know, building that community of like like minded individuals that can uh, work out from there. And I could like definitely agree with your formation of that idea as well too. So, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, man. And to get more into like the other questions too, like what was like the creative process and inspiration for like other songs like Amend and like Sweet Dreams and like Dream World and Mama and all that? Uh, biggest inspiration, honestly, I have to give a big shout out to Matt Nutson. Matt Nutson's uh, he's my he's my producer. He's he's my go to guy. Uh, I trust that man with my life when it comes to producing. Um, he uh, uh, me and him kind of met randomly. Um, we went to the same high school. Uh, he kind of just started sending me beat packs and I really started to realize that a lot of his beats, um, uh, he, he would send me these initial beat packs and be like, Oh, tell me what you like out of this. And then, uh, tell me what, what maybe is more in your artillery. Uh, and I would say, Oh, well, I want to make music this way. And he would send me another 30 beats, uh, that way. And then I'd be like, Oh, this is great. And his beats really inspired me to start making um, the music that I started to make nowadays. I mean, a song like Mama, uh, shout out to Dan Lytle. That's, that's, that's my engineer. It's him and Alex are both amazing engineers. Um, uh, Dan Lytle made the beat for, um, for Mama. Uh, I heard that in a studio. Me and James Lee went to a studio together. Uh, we laid out a song called Take Me Down the same day. That's out everywhere. Um, and yeah, I heard that beat and I went in, it was supposed to be a song we're going to work on together. Uh, I kind of just laid it out again, closed my eyes, really listen to the beat, really feel what I want to feel. Uh, songs like Sweet Dreams, honestly, like I've been sitting on a lot of these songs for quite some time. Sweet Dreams to me was like my baby. It was like my, uh, it was the bread and butter for me because it was exactly the type of music that I want to make because it felt so, um, it just felt so big to me. You listen to it in headphones. You get the you get a different experience when you listen to it when you're in a car or when you listen to it out loud or on a speaker. Like you get you get such a different experience every time. And I think that it really the, the lyrics um, have a lot to do with who I am every day. Um, but I think the beat helped me a lot with that. But yeah, I think a lot of these songs, like well, no, for sure, every song that I've made. Um, uh, really just comes from who I am. It comes from uh, me going through trials and tribulations in my life and relating them into my music. Um, and I'm a big believer in talking about and um, expressing uh, like real human emotions. Like I don't want to talk about like, like I said before, I was making, you know, like different music back then. I was making club music and uh, like music to dance to and to party to and to perform and like, I don't want to do that anymore. It's not, it's not relatable music. I want to make music that, uh, when people listen to, they can register with it. Uh, they can hear my words and they can, they can really feel it. And I mean, it's the best feeling when, when, when people can actually sit there and be able to register with lyrics, you know? Yeah, no, most definitely. And I feel like the approach you're doing it uh, right now is like good with like the singles and all that too, you know, getting people to like tap in with, and, you know, I want to speak more on that. So you know, you've been dropping it more than like, you know, dropping like an album or an EP. Do you feel like it's like better to connect with fans uh, that way? Or are you more inclined to dropping like a project soon? Uh, so I actually initially in 20, 2018, I want to say I did release a project. Um, it was my initial project that I had ever released on platforms. Didn't even know at the time how to use like DistroKid pro properly. Didn't know how to do anything. I was just kind of making music for fun. Um, and that was my initial product that I was able to then go perform with and open for artists with and be able to really enjoy myself with. Um, but again, it just wasn't, it, it didn't, as much as it would resonate with people when I was like at a club or at a concert or whatever the case might be, it just didn't resonate with what the message that I want to portray. 
Um, so I ended up getting rid of that, I scrapped it. Uh, again, I had another little EP. Um, and I, again, just was like, you know what? It again, still doesn't really register with the message that I want to send. I kept one song from that, kept that out. It's called wait for me. It's still out everywhere. Um, and then, uh, yeah, this honestly, the, um, cause all summer, pretty much every month I've released one single. Um, I was actually building all of these songs to build an album. Um, and then I talked to a few different people. I talked to like my girlfriend and uh, I really just came to the conclusion of like, I want to build my library. I want people to know the different things that I want to do in music because every song that I've made isn't the same. And every song that I've made isn't um, the same vibe. Uh, and, uh, you know, like I have another, like uh, the next song I'll be releasing. I haven't, I haven't set the date, but it'll probably be this month, uh, or the beginning of next month. Um, but even that is like, uh, that song I'm releasing is so experimental. It's not even, has, yeah. it's, it's not even close to what I've done prior to, because I just want to try things. So I want to yeah. be able to see what resonates with people and see what sticks with yeah. people. And I mean, some things that I think might be amazing and, and, uh, the best thing I've ever done might only get seven plays, yeah. but I mean, uh, the best thing that did for me was, uh, it helped me through something. It helped yeah. me through a place. Yeah, most definitely. And I definitely understand why like the whole like album process is still in motion too, because you don't want to have like an assortment of songs that are in one project, but like they're different meanings within different styles. I know for, some people like it's better to have like one project where you have like certain songs within a certain theme you know or have it like as an experimental project than you know even having like all these like different assorted songs and i think that's like the same for music uh, nowadays too i think uh back then you know some rappers curate and like even artists who curate their songs appropriately for that like certain project too like with chances uh project you know acid rap uh it was curated well for people to experience you know what being on certain drugs is like like you know for lsd with shrooms or everything else too yeah. like with uh take care and all that too you know with the idea of breakup with love with you know getting over like with instant situations uh too yeah and even uh with um i think uh this other project uh too um i'm trying to figure out uh yeah with get rich or die trying by 50 cents and all that oh, yeah. too you know just you know rags to riches type story and nowadays with rap you know like artists like i think because the whole deluxe editions too and the pandemic people are just like putting stuff on one album but there's like no theme or no motion to it you exactly. know it's like you know i'll have like these 20 assorted songs and like they're like different vibes and different energies and all that too and i think one example i think uh, i might get shitted on on this is that uh you know dirk's project you know like you know still like healing still healing or something like that and i feel like there were some good songs, you know, that had that good theme, but then, you know, you're going to have other songs where it's going to be like the same stuff, you know, you know, killing, robbing, all that type yeah. of stuff too. Like even what, with new music too, like Glorilla and, you know, like Lil Baby and all that too. Yeah. I feel like there is no message or focus on what this project's all about. Yeah. It's just 20 assorted songs of like 20 assorted emotions and all that. Yeah. You want to be honest with you? Yeah. I haven't even listened to Dirk's album. Uh -huh, so, <laughs> so uh my uh um no man like and I and I fully agree with like even what you just said, deluxe editions, man. You got guys releasing twenty album songs and then going, Oh, just wait, we got five on the way and it's five more of the same music. Yeah. And but again, that is pro <coughs> that's that's all profitable. Yeah. You know, that's all mainstream yeah. stuff. Um and you know, and I'm not trying to to rain on anybody's parade, but I think that the that a, that a big problem I see with local guys is local guys try and move that way too, yeah. where they go, oh, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make a, an album, uh, and I'm gonna put 20 songs on it, and I can't wait to release it, and you know, uh, it's gonna be so fun, and you got 20 songs that are the same song, and. You know, people are going to listen to it. Your like your people especially are are, are going to vibe to it. Uh, but you don't gain anything from that. Yeah. And, you know, like I might keep releasing music and some of my music went, might become relics. You know, it might it might sit out for years and years. And uh, that's OK to me if it doesn't if it doesn't pop or doesn't do anything, yeah. because there's a possibility 
that next week or next year or 10 years from now, someone's going to hear one of my songs and be able to resonate with it and be able to, uh, to, uh, feel it. And that's, and that is more important to me than to do that. Yeah. No, I definitely understand too. And I think, you know, back then it was just like, when you put a deluxe album on, you're putting like three, four, five songs. Now, like, as you said too, nowadays it's like 20 songs. And I feel like, Chris Brown is to sort of blame for it too, because I think he was like the first guy, like even before that pandemic that kind of did all that type of stuff too. And like, I think everyone took notice and, you know, different incentive too. And then it kind of shows like with those albums and like even them performing at these like big festivals too, when it translates to actually performing live at a stadium or performing at an arena or at a big venue, you know, like the numbers do tend to show like when it happens too. And, you know, we kind of have to like sort of blame the pandemic and everything else too, because, and like even TikTok too, I think because it kind of gave that people the notion that, you know, you could sell out these shows, even though you're not at that realm or at that like level yet where you can even do that, you know, it takes time and that process to kind of build it too. And like, I think even for like new artists too, like even like new artists that were about to be openers are now headlining you know, feeder-sized venues, like, at the Danforth at, or at History or at Rebel and all that, too. And, you know, sometimes, like, the numbers don't translate, like, very, like, well and all that. So they have to start, like, downgrading or they have to start, you know, becoming openers instead to kind of build that name accordingly and that's it. Yeah, you know? no, 100%. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, even, like, speaking about, like, you know, touring r- right now, I mean, you haven't toured before, but you did open up for, like, Dizzy Wright, like, Mad Child, Classified, and Dax, and how did those, like, come about, and what was, like, the, what was it like opening for those artists and performing with, like, different crowds and all that? Uh, it honestly just came down to, like, um, uh, I guess the the best way of talking about it would be, like, campaigning. Like, we... Uh, at the time, like it was reaching out to anybody and everybody throwing a show, any promoter, anybody doing anything, um, and just kind of being like, Hey, if you're looking for guys, let, like, uh, let me know. Um, and I mean, we just, uh, we got lucky with some, with some big shows. And I know that we talked about that, uh, that we briefly saw each other at the Dax show. I was going to say, I was waiting until we're on, until we're on here, but I know that, uh, if you're at the Dax show, do you remember the there's a guy that crowd surfed? I think so, actually. I mean, I remembered like that event at that same time too. I think um there was like a shitload of people that came on. I think Dax like came into the crowd. Um Yeah. yeah I, I remember I remember he did like a he did a water bottle challenge. He was trying to get people to like chug the water bottle, who could chug it the quickest. Yeah. And someone crowd surfed. Well, the guy that crowd surfed was me. Uh-huh, so sure. that's so you know if you have any if you have any pictures of or videos of yeah. that. That's that's me. That was that was me. Yeah. Crowd surfed with them. Yeah, I think I have to like kind of find like in my reels uh, doing all that yeah. too. But I remembered like that event like yeah because I came there. You know, it was like already like crowded too. I think they did the meet and greet at the end too. And yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, I know uh, they had uh, my guy uh, Jarrell perform first, and then some guy named like Apollo Ray with like Preston, and yep. then you know your group and all that. And then I think there was like some other guys too. Um. I felt like there was, like, this one guy that kind of opened up uh, to, uh, like, Matrix or something like that. And I remembered uh, back then, you know, you know, this kid had, like, maybe, like, what, like, 68 followers or, like, I think 63, like, followers and all that. And, like, you know, he's headlining his own show at, um like, Smiling Buddha and all that. And, like, he's, like, DMing the people that sort of interacted with him in some way, too. And, like, I didn't, like, even, like, notice at that time. And I rem- he was like, hey, hey, bro, come to my show and all that. And then... You know, I was like, you know, I'll take a look and all that too. And then, you know, several days later, you know, um, hey, bro, come to my show. Do, 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 do. I think like with some people too, like <laughs> they try to force like people to come to a show, even though it's not like really like genuine, like in that sense too. Like even as a small up and coming artist that is about to headline too. And I think for some people too, like not to shit on like anyone in the parade and all that too, but you know, you have to start off with, like, genuinity to kind of, like, build, like, relations with those people, too, to kind of understand, like, hey, you know, if you want to come to my show, like, let me know and all that, too, you know? Like, I still have the ticket link in my bio rather than, like, you know, DMing a hundred people, like, a million times, you know, come to my show, come to my show and all that. Yeah. And, like, it takes time, like, with that process, too, so. Yeah, I definitely think a big thing that I'm I'm proud of uh, for myself is, uh, 
Um, anytime that we have thrown a show, um, whether um, it be as me and a collective of artists or me on my me by myself or with one other artist or planning things, um, uh, I've always tried to remain super genuine with people because I think it's so important, yeah. especially because if you don't treat the people in your community right, like nobody's going to pull up. And if you don't know how to converse with people or keep the people around you that are willing to ride or die for you, yeah. then I mean, I think that you that you kind of shoot yourself in the foot and you might have a small collective of people. Like I, like I was saying earlier, like talk about like a hive mind, like a, like a cult mind, you might have five or six people that, that, that no matter what stick around you um, and whether you guys call yourself a group, whether you guys call yourself a collective, whether you call yourself whatever, um, ultimately like, like if you don't know how to branch out, um, or how to just be more accepting and honest with the people around you in your community. Um, <clears throat> you fall almost into a trap. You fall yeah. almost into, um, like you're saying, like, I mean, like this guy's DMing you multiple times, but he doesn't really know you. He doesn't really know anything about you. And um, I think that taking that extra two seconds, I mean, you're, you're a prime example of it. You're sitting here saying, you know, like, kind of sucks. Like, he kind of just was hitting me up, didn't really seem genuine, blase, blase. But I mean, if he would have taken that extra two minutes to maybe personalize that message to you, make it more genuine, yeah. there's a possibility you would have been yeah. there, right? And I feel like with a lot of artists too, like they can like, you know, captivate that like accordingly too. There are like artists that do have that genuinity to build relationships so with the community as well too. And it's always about like, you know, making sure like everyone's like right, like within their own lane and all that too. Mm. Like if you are experienced like in some way or have like a platform or have something that could help, like with artists, like try your best to, like kind of help out in like some way, should perform or show that support too. I feel like with some people too, they expect that whole like fan base, that crowd, that you know luxury of like women like around them and everything like that right away too. And like, I think even with some people too, they expect like a lot of shit like for granted and all that too. And I've actually met this one guy like a long time ago that um he's actually from Oshawa too. Like I'm not gonna make him famous and all that too. But, like, uh, basically, you know, we did, like, some video work, uh, too, and all that, and it just didn't work out at the end, but um, hearing what he did to, like, other people, too, just, you know, with, like, having, like, videographers and producers and everyone else, too, like, some people, like, there were, like, uh, times when he took stuff for granted and expected people to work for him, like, for free, rather than, like, you know, building a relationship and building a business like partnership and deal like with these people yeah. you know and said too and i feel like that's like the problem with like some artists uh too nowadays because they expect everything to be given to them like right away even though that's not like how it goes too it's like you build the relation like you build the relationship like if you have to pay you have to pay too or if you have to like work with someone within a good budget like that should be like the right way too. yeah like don't expect like you know everything for like granted yeah. like in that sense too and well i think I, I i think something that i found crazy um was i'm starting to realize a lot of the time is there's people that look at um communities especially local communities i mean the gta is not a big like i mean it's a big place but it's not that big of a place and yeah. i mean if artists actually cared to work together actually cared to do things um they would and i mean i think that i'm start like uh i've, I've heard certain guys and i've seen certain guys where they think everything is about benefiting off of one another they think that you know like uh well if i do something for you then you've now benefited from me. So now you owe me something. And I don't think that that's how life works. I think that, um, especially from ground zero, we're all on ground zero. No matter, no matter if we think we're the best thing on earth, we are, we are not in mansions. We don't have the money for it. Yeah. Like we still go pay for this expensive gas and put 20 bucks in our cars. We still, you know, like, we still pay rent we still yeah exactly we still do all those things and i think that guys are so focused on being like well no like i'm here so you need to respect me to a higher level than i'm going to respect you um and i do not think that's fair i don't yeah. like i mean um i was going to touch on the topic like while you're talking about it and just say i think that a big problem with like 
um, the GTA and Toronto, like just Toronto and the GTA everywhere is that there's gatekeepers. There's, there's guys that, that, um, have a bit more clout, um, a bit, they're, they're a little bit more out there than, than most people. Um, and rather than putting people on and, and, respecting those that have been there since day one for them or respecting those that have um, worked alongside them. Um, their big thing is to be like, oh, well, I'm here now. So, I mean, for you to get here, you owe me this yeah. or you got to do this. I mean, like, to be honest with you, I'm still DMing like like anytime I see uh, like any artist, any Canadian artist, anybody throwing a show in the area, I, I DM them yeah. immediately and I go, hey, you guys looking for openers? Do you need anybody? Is there anything I can do to help? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, guys like Classified. Classified's great. He answers DMs all the time, but he's kind of weird about it, you know? And he's a guy where, again, like he grew up in the scene of everybody was around each other. Everybody put each other up. He made music with anybody and everybody. Guys like him who like um, are now almost on a pedestal and don't really look at the smaller guys that have a thousand followers or, you know, like don't don't have all the plays. It's really became a, a, a like a different world when SoundCloud was big. There wasn't everybody under the sun having yeah. a million followers on SoundCloud and then being like, oh, well, like. I need to work with you now. Yeah, oh, I need exactly. to do this. Yeah. No, it was a chance. You know, there was like everybody had a chance to be able to make it somewhere. And I don't and I think that that chance is starting to get less and less yeah. because people are are being more selfish about what they've accomplished. And I mean, accomplishing things when it comes to music at the end of the day, when it's from ground zero is just being lucky. Yeah, no. It's getting lucky and 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 having an opportunity that you took um, the advantage of and being able to understand and and push for and you know like that doesn't mean you got to give up on 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 people that are like not as high up as you yeah. are no most definitely and i do feel like even with media pages like six buzz and keep six solid and a lot of these other ones you know it's more like favoritism rather than like you know showing support to like local artists and all that too because i think very like far and few like you know media pages actually show love to everyone and like anyone and all that too and all that like when it comes to like music and all that with certain pages like they'll definitely like have a bias and all that too like depending on the money depending on who's like popular right now rather than you know who's gonna be like remembered like within like the next like five to ten years and all that too and I feel like that is something to like really like focus on, you know, to put everyone on on and all that too. Because I think like even like what whatever you're posting to like on social media, like with Six Buzz with Keep Six Solid, where it creates like tension rather than you know uplift people. Like that's where like issues gonna happen. Where you know they're gonna shoot at you or be like the victim of like gun violence and all that, or you know, to getting like your page like axed out and all that too. And yeah. I feel like that's something that a lot of like media pages can work on. I don't know about Six Buzz, but you know, maybe with Keep Six Solid and like, you know, even with, you know, Real Toronto News and all that too, like it is something that they do have to work on, you know, yeah. to put everyone on and all that too. And I think like the other ones that do put the other one on are like Toronto Rap Stars and also like I think Toronto Top Six and like the Drip Room Six and all that, those people. Yeah. See, and I think the biggest thing I think that that I think that that point just brings me back to talking about gate time about gatekeepers, uh, people that have the opportunity of putting people on and uh, things become about financial gain and becoming about oh well I've made it here so now you got to pay up. I mean, <clears throat> there's songs I've released where I'm like I'm so confident in myself that people are gonna love the song and people are gonna be all about it and uh, I'll literally say to myself I'm like you know what like. Let's just see. Let's just see how much they're going to charge. And their pricing list, man, are crazy. Especially with the cost of rent and everything else. Like, it's so expensive for these guys to just... Sometimes it's just a story post and they want the most money. Like, but then you got other guys you talk to that are that are so down to earth. That, that have the clout. Have, 
have all of it and still communicate with you. I mean, like, shout outs to Devontae Woe. I don't know if you know who that is. Yeah, but, I know Devontae. So Devontae's sick, man. Like, he's he's super dope. Anytime I see him in public, like, he's super respectful. We DM all the time. He's super awesome with me. And, like, we've been talking about making music. I just need to get to the studio and be able to lay it out. But, you know, like, someone like him, he's he sat and talked to me about, like, sharing posts and stuff. And he's like, yeah, like, you know, like, and I understand that everyone's got to make their money. I understand that at the end of the day, people got to make their money, but it's about being fair. It's about knowing that you're putting your community on first and not that you need to charge people as much as humanly possible to be able to get what financial gain. Yeah, no, most definitely, man. And I feel like we've already like discussed stuff more about it and we'll definitely do some more stuff soon. Uh, just to get more on to like other topics uh, too, um, you know, you mentioned that you were like a father, like I know you talked about like your kid uh, who's uh, two years old. So like even being a father and an artist, like what were like some things that changed for you when you had a kid and what were like some things that most people don't recognize or understand when with artists like in the music industry that have like children, like in that sense that they should understand? Um. Honestly, man, I don't even think it really comes down to just the music industry. I think being a father, um, first and foremost, I, I think that people that aren't parents um, don't like, like there's just a level of not understanding it. And not to say that anyone's, you know, lesser or doesn't or is more ignorant. Uh, but I mean, like when like like uh, when it comes to jobs, when it comes to friends, when it comes to uh yeah music it comes to all those different things like uh i think that people can be uh like just not uh understanding um but i mean what i think it's done for me is it's taught me uh to care more about myself it's taught me to care more about um uh life when i get home you know life life at work uh, life when you're out doing things uh, isn't the same when you're at home, you know, like being home, being with my girlfriend, being with my son um, is everything to me. Uh, I mean, he's he's perfect in every way, shape or form. And, uh, you know, it's uh, having a you know, being being a man and then having a little boy uh, teaches you that, you know, like you got to you got to teach. Now it's about teaching someone to carry the legacy. And uh, I think that that's, you know, not I'm, not I'm not talking about legacy from a music standpoint. I mean, legacy from like just being a man, being being able to carry his own and be able to protect, you know, his his life and his family and his mom. Um, and yeah, just be able to be himself. And the only way I'm going to teach him those things is by being true to myself and working on myself because. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, like nobody's ever perfect. Uh, everyone always can work better on themselves. And I mean, like every day I wake up, I know that I have to do better. And uh, yeah, I, I just, I really focus on making sure that, that he's happy. My girlfriend's happy. And uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's a hundred percent the best thing that's ever happened to me for sure. Yeah, no, most definitely, man. And, you know, just to kind of end off uh, on uh, these like last few questions, uh, what do you have uh, next in terms of like any music or creative uh, projects and so forth? Uh, so I have a couple more, um, uh, a couple more uh, songs that I'm going to be releasing. I have a song coming out, like I said, this month or the beginning of next month. Uh, and then one more that's uh, planned to release. Uh, and then I have about like I want to say 25 songs oh, that true, true. are sitting in the background. I'm just kind of holding on to that. Uh, I'm slowly going to plan and release, but I mean, my goal right now is one a month. One a month is, is doable for me. And I mean, um, it helps me build traction, helps me build my, my catalog and uh, just keeps people interested for sure. Yeah, man. No, a hundred percent. And I always like ask this for like every artist, like, you know for people like to tap in with too uh, i'm starting to do it more like within this year and all that so like name like free songs in your catalog that you you would recommend to anyone that wants to hear you for like the very first uh, time and all that too that they have to like tap in with uh so three song three songs damn um i mean everybody loves weird science you i mean you sat here and said that weird science is great and i mean that's I I love that. I love that people um, love it. Um, a big song that I didn't realize people were going to love, but people love is Mama. People seem to really like it. 
Um, and I like I feel like I got to give you four because Crazy World to me is a great song that I made and I really love it. I, I genuinely love that song. And my baby, like I said, Sweet Dreams. Sweet Dreams is like the song that moving forward, the more music you're going to hear from me is going to sound a lot like Sweet Dreams. Oh, true. Wow, most definitely, man. And, you know, where can they follow you on, like, social media and all that, too? Yeah, so uh, my socials is Poppy Dreamer, P-A-P-I Dreamer. Um, I'm there. Uh, it's Instagram. I think TikTok is the same. Um, and then on all platforms, it's Jesse the Dreamer, oh, J-E-S-S-E-T-H-E Dreamer. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, most definitely. And any closing remarks you'd like to say? No, just shout out to everybody that's, that's, that's supported me. Um, I'm like super grateful for where I am today. Uh, I think that everything happens for a reason. And I mean, it's been super dope to be able to sit here and, you know, kind of express who I am yeah, and nah, and uh, everything that's happened in my life. I mean, shout out to all my boys that uh, have had my back. And um, yeah, shout out to my girl and my little boy and my family. And yeah, I appreciate thank it, man. Thank you for having nah, me. Most definitely, man. Jesse, you know, thank you for coming by. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Just, I had to get you on here. Um, You know, it's dope to have you on. It was like a pleasure to have you on to share your story, to share your journeys and like everything else too and we'll definitely have you back on soon and all that to speak more and all that on like a wide variety of topics and all that too and you know this is josh also known as yashu you can get it on all of the platforms when it's released and all that spotify apple Podcasts, buzzsprout much more too and you know i'm just gonna have to like close it off uh, right now but josh also known as yashu jesse the dreamer toy talks episode 47 you know i'm signing off right now <laughs> Take it easy.